on to you. All right. Well, thank you, Francis. Thank you very much, Judy. Appreciate it. And Jim, welcome. Uh, Jim Ryan is the uh, vice president of SCORE International and uh, pretty excited about this. And uh, I, don't, I don't know where you sit right now here after Thanksgiving, if you feel pretty relieved after just having a big event earlier this month or the anticipation of 2022 getting underway. No, it's, uh, it's always a, a, a very exciting time for us every year in November. Uh, this year we added added SEMA to the mix just to make sure things were extra crazy, but uh, we, we were invited to SEMA to represent the uh, off-road motorsports and uh, high performance area, um, big display area, which we had 30 plus vehicles there, including Big Ole and uh, Ivan Stewart's Toyota and live streaming going on. So that was, uh, that was our lead up while our uh, operations team was in Baja um, getting ready for the a, a very special year on top of that being a peninsula run, um, which only occurs every three to four years. So it was an extra busy time for sure. And uh, yeah, that, that those few days before Thanksgiving every year, is, uh, we really look forward to that. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, tell us how your 2021 season went, first of all. And I know adding SEMA, I'm sure, uh, was quite a bit, but I'm sure pretty rewarding as well. But how did the whole season go for you guys? The season was great. Um, we started in you know, 2020, obviously had some challenges with COVID um, for us, obviously working in another country on top of that. So it always uh, compounds uh, our challenges. But uh, we were able to pull off uh, the Baja 500. Um, actually, the Baja 500 in 2020, we moved from June to September. Um, and just as a, we were literally the first event to take place on the peninsula. So we were, had really well planned out uh, structure. Our Ensenada team, which is our race director and president, uh, um, Jose Hiralva, and our general manager, Juan Tintos, um, did an amazing job working with the government and getting all the uh, the COVID protocols in order, and we uh, we passed the flying colors to make sure that the Baja 1000 would actually take place in 2020, which again, uh, uh, which again did take place. So for 2021, um, we've actually had six races under COVID protocols. So we had all four races back this year, uh, San Felipe in April, uh, our traditional Baja 500 in June, uh, our newer event, uh, the score um, Baja 400 in Ensenada in September, and then again, our, we, we just completed our fifth, the 54th running of the Baja 1000. So it's got uh, all our series, all our races have quite a legacy um, and our uh, global events. That's pretty impressive. And, and you talk about dealing with different governments and all of that. That's one thing to put on an event, but also getting competitors to the event and different things like that. I mean, it's not like this is just everyone's coming from, you know, the, the lower 48. I mean, there's people coming from everywhere to do this. <laughs> It is. Uh, we actually had uh, from a from a representation standpoint. I'm checking my notes here real fast. That, that uh, we actually issued 322 media credentials uh, for this for this for the Baja 1000 alone, uh, and that came from over 16 countries uh, from just a media perspective. And the credentials are from the racers we, we pulled from 35 states and 18 countries. Um, that were actually participating in the, in the Baja 1000 a couple of weeks ago. 
Wow, that's impressive. And you had over 300 entries for the event. Uh, you know, all of the stuff that you guys did um, is a huge undertaking in and of itself. How different is it? Because, you know, a lot of what we were talking about, even just in our last segment with short track racing, you know, we're talking about, you know, sticking people into a pit area and into grandstands and, you know, running around in circles. Obviously, that's quite different from what you guys do, especially when it comes to a spectator perspective, but just having something that's literally moving and, and all of that. So, Kind of give us an idea of some of those challenges and just the different things you have to face, and especially even when it comes to today's world with the COVID protocols. Correct. And what we've been able to adjust to, uh, the first thing is basically our traditional, what looks like Mardi Gras on our contingency days, that uh, the fans are still not allowed back involved with that. Um, they're, we're kind of isolated out. We've been working off a, a freeway system on the outside of Ensenada in a, in a closed private resort for our San Felipe race on the, uh, on the, on the Sea of Cortez side. Um, and that's, that's, that's been one factor uh, in terms of not having the fans literally there, but they are there in mass up and down the peninsula. So um, from our responsibility, we, we couldn't allow that. That also impacted our award ceremony, it, it impacted our press conferences, our driver meetings, all, anything that was pertained to a crowd gathering area, um, our hospitality areas that overlooked the start finish line. Those were all, we haven't been able to do those for almost two years now. So oh, wow. we're, our main job is to get the race produced. Um, the border crossings are all part of that. Our, our, again, our Ensenada office works 24 hours a day with with the government, uh, whether it's Mexico City or the governors of, of uh, the two the two states in Baja, the the mayors, the police departments, um, whatever, those guys are tourism bureaus, the hotel associations, restaurant associations. When we come in, um, you know, as we've said earlier, maybe I said this last year, it, we don't come to a facility and hit the light switch. We have to bring everything and we shut, we don't really shut down a city, we enhance it. You know, the hotels, the restaurants, any B &B, Airbnbs, um, campgrounds, they're full no matter where we are. So we're a good partner with the Baja government in, in terms of a economic resource uh, for the whole peninsula also. Yeah, and I can imagine, and especially, you know, wanting to get travel and wanting to get people out and about doing things right now, you know, especially for resort areas and different places like that is huge. Well, give us an idea of what you guys are working on, Jim. I mean, you know, the next big event, correct me if I'm wrong, is end of March, beginning of April 2022. So what are some things that you guys are working on? Um, maybe, I don't know if it's new initiatives, whatever it might be. Sure. Well, yeah, we're excited to, to start the next season, hopefully we're behind all this is behind us and we are able to open up and have some of our normal racing uh, areas, which again, the opening round is San Felipe. We'll be working on the 35th annual San Felipe 250 race uh, starting uh, at, at the beginning of uh, April next year. Um, we hope to be back downtown at the Malacan area on the ocean. Um, time will tell if that's allowed either way we have a, we're set up there. We know how to run races in that area out of our, out of our secondary uh, area, but um, I think the class, the 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 class situation, the technology situation, um, our media situation in terms of live streaming, those are all those are all growing consistently. Um, what we saw in the 2021 season was the the arrival, the really arrive, big arrival of the all-wheel drive trophy trucks uh, in mass. And uh, they uh, won three out of the four races overall. 
including the Baja 1000 with the new Mason Motorsports, uh, Luke McMillan and Rob McCaffron, uh, number 11 truck, uh, just won that overall with that new system. They, they're now bulletproof for the most part. Uh, other things can break or crash, uh, but the systems are now holding together and they're, they're definitely, uh, there's a lot of those in the pipeline right now. And we'll see more and more of those next year. And at least in the trophy truck, uh, our marquee uh, uh, category. Uh, you, you mentioned streaming. We actually have a question from the chat, uh, which is perfect, sure. Jim. Someone asked about uh, how fans can follow an event like the Baja 1000 on their phone, laptop, or whatever. And I know um, you've got Score TV and you know various things out there, but kind of give us an idea of how how we can follow it because it is very fascinating. Yeah, and that's been one of our biggest challenges um, operating where we do and in the scope. The the Baja 1000, for for instance, was a 1200 1226 mile race. Um, which goes from major metropolitan areas to, to nowhere. And trying to keep that coverage um, has always been our challenge. Uh, technology, we've been chasing it forever. The, the owner of the series is, is invested, uh, invested many, many times at diff different levels, trying to think we got it solved. And uh, it's always something. And I'm really happy to say that the feed actually held together um, uh, from Ensenada to La Paz and in between at least the areas that we were posted. Uh, we finally have uh, some, some the, the latest level of technology has allowed us to actually complete that, which is the first time. So we're happy about that. But to answer your question, yes, live streaming is definitely uh, one of the primary area that we'll be developing uh, really fast again for 2022, now that we sorted out some other issues uh, in 2021. Uh, we have live tracking. Um, uh, our social media is active from the two week run up, if not more on the races during the races and post race. Um, uh, the outside media is doing the same. Um, we have one of the main um, areas that we switched up probably eight, nine years ago was taking everything internal. We don't we don't dissuade any outside media from covering us but we control our own destiny and, and, and control the messaging and our, uh, and our promoting our teams and our sponsors and the products and the lifestyle and everything that also goes with it. Uh, we have our own systems operating 24 hours a day that become major media, a major media house within uh, not only um, off-road, but uh, automotive industry in general. So we can control that. And that happens 24 hours a day. So whoever's trying to follow us, uh, we have a digital magazine that comes out once a month that has up now up to about 2 million uh, viewers a month on it. It's all video integrated too, but that's uh, that's the day by day, month to month type of situation. Our, obviously our social media is going 24 hours a day on those instantaneous messaging. And when we get into the race windows, uh, the live streaming uh, comes about on our contingency days or again, are, are still like Mardi Gras without the fans. You know, we still had 300 teams with all their, with all their team members and the VIPs and industry people that were there. So it was still a fairly packed house um, as much as it could be. Uh, but that, uh, those, are, those are live for the entire duration of both contingency days, which are nine to five, nine to six. Um, and then our, our live streaming is consistent, consistently on from when the trucks take off. Uh, in this case, it was 10 o'clock in the morning on Thursday until we shut down at well, I can't even remember when we shut down. I think it was, uh, I think it was 2 a.m. on Saturday afternoon. It was when the ramp actually shut down. Um, but that's, uh, and the motorcycles take off at, 
in, in this case, they took off at 2 a.m. Our live streaming is up and running at that point too, because uh, we do get a big, uh, for, the, for the moto categories and, and quad categories, we still get an international viewing audience on that too. So it's there. And again, the tracking, all this can be found on the SCORE app, uh, which you can download. Um, that has become quite a tool for all of us when we're on site we live, we live on our phones looking at the app so we can get uh, live streaming and, and tracking information uh, and check our social media. All that's embedded in, in our app. So I re highly recommend that. That's, a, that's probably the easiest way to, to get a full menu of everything that's happening during the race. Yeah, well, the way you guys have really taken advantage of technology and just a lot of things that are available now um, really enhances the coverage in a big way. And, and I would also, you know, advocate for the YouTube page also, because there's just all kinds of little things there from, you know, and, and they're nice. I mean, some of it is nine hours worth of something or maybe one minute worth of something talking about safety or doing different things like that. So uh, it, it's, it's pretty amazing how complete everything is when it comes to that, Jim. That's a that's a brand new um, a program that, that just came to fruition this year. Uh, Score Off Road Television. Uh, it's our own channel, and uh, right now we have over a hundred uh, hundred programs already been digitized. That was the, the process was securing all these old these old this old footage, and then uh, the last year or two getting it all digitized to to be presentable on this station that was just kind of quietly launched a few months ago. We want to make sure it gets sorted out. Um, but all of that's up and running right now, too. And again, we have 100 shows already up to go all the way back to ABC Y World of Sports in, in 67, all the way up to uh, the movies that uh, were produced and Dust the Glory. And, and then this, the sequel that we put out in 2017 for the 50th anniversary of the Baja 1000 um, and everything in between. So, yeah, it's another place for people to go visit on their at their leisure to watch on, on the, in the luxury of their home. Um, through the YouTube channel and through the score television app. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right, another question here. And, and, and Don Taylor, thank you, because he's obviously <laughs> fascinated as well. Um, Hi, Don. But uh, uh, similarities between Baja races and Dakar, uh, crossover of drivers, teams, manufacturers, how, how does that work? What's the comparison? Uh, we're different, and they, they come. We've, we've had a number of their champions racing with us. I think the, ma the, the main difference is, we don't stop. It goes and goes and goes. You fix what has to be done on the fly. You're on the clock. Um, there's, we don't have stages. So there, it could be a real difficult stage and a more technical stage on their end. It's what they do is amazing. Um, and it's lengthy, lengthy, lengthy. Ours is just a, I think uh, they said a 24 hour, 48 hour. In this case, 53 hours was the time frame to finish uh, on the Baja 1000, but it's, uh, you know, it's, whatever you want to call it from a train wreck to a air, you know, chasing an airplane crash or whatever it's the challenges that are presented uh, that you have to fix on the fly and the logistics that are happening with the, the communications overall. And then the logistics on how do you keep ahead of your team? How are you figuring this out? That is probably the most difficult part, the most challenging part, and eventually the most rewarding part when all those pieces come together on just, how do you get through life in this in the, for two days out on your own, uh, trying to uh, basically uh, get to the finish line? Do you guys in any way sort of help feed off of each other a little bit? And maybe it's Dakar or the Africa Ego Challenge or something like that. Like if they're having their event, do you notice any increased traffic with what you're doing or any increased interest? I mean, 
Yeah, I think there's always a, a sidebar to that, depending on, uh, you know, especially when we have Americans down there racing in Dakar, which mm -hmm. we they did a fantastic job last year, uh, Casey Curry and, and Ricky Bravak and a few others that were down there all did a great job. Um, so, yeah, there's residual effect on, on off-road motorsports in general. Again, that's kind of our, our, our other um, goal is to promote off-road motorsports as, as much as score uh, being a focus. But yeah, that's uh, we've had their champions over um, in this. In this well, yeah, from a Dakar standpoint, um, Toby Price, um, who's been on their their moto and uh, champion for many many times, um, he was actually in in our race. He, he's come twice now. First time he raced a trophy truck, um, and this time he was with a TT spec in, in this in this most recent Baja One Thousand. So there is a certain crossover of athletes for sure. Um, to get that experience, and, and they're they're actually two two different things um, in terms of what what works in their field and what works in our field. Um, so it's always interesting to see see what's happening. You know, if you look up, say, the results from an event um, like the Baja 1000, there's literally like three pages of results with all kinds of different classes, different types of vehicles. And, and again, from the trucks to the UTVs to the motorcycles and all of that, right. the question is, um, you know, the cost to get involved. I mean, is this something if someone is looking for maybe a different outlet with their racing or whatever they might want to do, um, how affordable can this be? And I'm sure, you know, there's really no ceiling to how much it could also cost you as well, depending on how far you want to go. Yeah, those those are always great questions. And the fact is, we, we literally have over the last 54 years, we literally have 50 classes on the books. So that doesn't mean they're all active in any particular race, but there's a place to fit in from stock vehicles that just need their, obviously the safety uh, aspects up to speed on to the spaceships that are trophy trucks nowadays. So it's there, there and there's depending on the price range, uh, we, we, we're always evolving classes. Um, some of the bigger classes right now, um, TT spec was an evolution out of trophy trucks to keep it affordable. Um, with the, with the sealed uh, sealed engine packages um, playing at 600 horsepower and not nine 900 to now a thousand horsepower on the all-wheel all drives uh, usable horsepower in our world uh, class 10 same thing just a more uh, more usable um, buggy which is a big driver class um, but it, it's pulled away from our class one unlimited buggies um, so there's 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 different ways to go through to, to race score um, there's there's literally it's unlimited. Uh, it just depends on your interest and in, in level. There's some bone stock UTV classes. We now have five, six classes of UTVs, based on where they've evolved since the since the very first class. We just introduced a new Open Pro class um, at the Baja 1000 um, for the the new generation of over 1000 cc UTVs, which the new Polaris uh, Open Pro R um, just debuted. Um, as a, in, in stock version. Um, so there was a, another model launch um, um, program going on with at this race for that. But yeah, and the motorcycles, um, it's, it's, it's pick a class and, and, and you can do it. You know, we have it broken out by age brackets and by, by uh, talent levels. So it's, I think that's, that's point one, but I think your panel before that made a good point. I mean, that's part of the cost. It's the logistics end of it. You know, how many tires, how, how much gas, how many rooms, 
a lot of the top trophy truck teams that just ran had a hundred, 140 volunteers that were part wow. of their crews to make a peninsula run. So there's a massive logistical effort on that um, in terms of rooming and food and, you know, however, however it is, uh, chase trucks, how many do you need going up and down the peninsula? Um, it's, it's, it's really amazing what the teams pull off. And, uh, and obviously our, our score operations team is, is truly amazing. <laughs> You know, it, it, and it, it has to be. I mean, it, it is incredible. It's interesting, too, because a lot of times when we start talking about racing on here, you know, we're talking about different series that might be running, you know, weekly events, maybe multiple times weekly. Obviously, your schedule um, as it is just logistically, you're, you know, limited to the number of events you can have. But throughout the year, when it comes to vendors and suppliers and manufacturers, I mean, we've had people on here that make brake duck fans that they're using in a NASCAR cup car, but they're also using on off-road trucks. So I guess the ultimate question is, is like how tapped or untapped is the off-road market and everything that you guys are doing with SCORE for whether they be vendors, suppliers, manufacturers, or whatever, to now find here's a new outlet where we can showcase our products where we can get into. That's a great segue. So yeah, that's one of the reasons where the PRI in general, that is one of our discovery shows um, they know about score they know they certainly know or heard about the Baja 1000 and Baja 500 uh, and they're totally fascinated with what's going on there they know they have products being sold there but it's just a matter how much education they have and that's one of the things we've been providing uh, stepped up a lot of that market information that data database uh, and the surveys and all of the information on market reach and impact. Uh, we now have that, that's been around for, in terms of score for eight years, we've had pretty complete packages that the teams get to take to their sponsor basis to educate them. But yeah, uh, it's literally anything in racing um, from, from, from literally anything in racing is applicable to what is, is probably being used in our field right now in some way, shape or form um, from what we've been told and what we see it's just a matter of getting the feedback back through the, and that's what PRI is for us. Uh, we're able to talk to the manufacturers and, and kind of enlighten them as to what's happening in this field, or they're, they pull us out of the aisle because they want to talk to us and get more information on, uh, yeah. on what's happening. And realistically, I mean, the, the true trickle down to, you know, from pro to amateur to someone who wants to go out and have fun on weekends. I mean, you talk about something that's so connected with what any type of vendor or supplier, you know, how they can utilize score and everything you do to actually enhance what they're doing and the products they're trying to sell. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, the, one of our trademarks is Baja Proven. And uh, our, our series and our type of racing has been that product development area since 1967 on uh, especially for off-road purposes but for any endurance type of product line um, that recognition from a marketing perspective goes through the general public it's not it's not a closed you know um, information source um, the, um, something that survived Baja gets uh, global attention and uh, it's the ability for manufacturers and their teams to prove prove their products durability um, coming to they're being sponsors in our series or or showing up and just being used with the teams in those in those type of packages that's fascinating i, I do want to ask and this one is on the on the chat as well plans for electric vehicle racing when are we yes. going to start to see those classes big question big question and it's it's not new with us we've had an e-class for a number of years 
And it has been run um, by a number of participants. Um, they basically were kind of, again, product development. We're like that last bastion. If you can last through one of our races, especially the Baja 1000, then the technology has arrived. But it hasn't got there yet. So there, there's been a lot of efforts and uh, a lot of learning curves for those who, who did uh, participate, but it's coming. And we had some good meetings at SEMA recently with some of those and some uh, previous conversations with some of the uh, systems development people and OEs in general on uh, what's happening. And this is, there's something that they want to tackle. We will see a lot of activity in 2022 on that. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and so let them make some announcements, but uh, it, it's coming and we're looking forward to it um, to see how, what this latest efforts that we're, that we're learning about are pretty high end. And, and basically with technology, the blend of elect, um, electric vehicle technology and the racing technology, the, those two really haven't been put together for our type of racing, uh, but we see it on the horizon now. Wow, that would be great. Yeah, especially with some of the, you know, whether it be new manufacturers coming in, you know, to the EV market, like Rivian right. or things with trucks to what Ford is doing. And even on the motorcycle end of things, that would Correct. be amazing. UTVs um, also. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it, it's it's a whole fascinating market. Well, we can't wait for the 2022 season. Uh, I don't know how much of a breath you get to take because I live in a world where you make your season in the off season, and uh, right. I'm sure you do as well. So um, wish you the best of luck there. Is there anything else that SCORE has going on that maybe we didn't touch on? Well, that's probably not enough time for that. But, yes, uh, things are very busy, and uh, we're really happy about this year. And we're looking forward to 2022 to get back to really, really get back to normal. Um, and uh, we're pretty, we're pretty set in advance. We picked up a, a couple brand new high-end sponsorships, so that that whole activity, uh, we're operating at the highest level we've ever operated with uh, with those type of packages right now. So um, we're in good shape, and uh, the the category is in good shape, but uh, we're still learning and growing every day. Wow. Well, Jim, I look forward to the next time we get to do this and really look forward to seeing y'all season get started. But um, thank you so much. No, thank you, Brad. Th thank you very much, Jim, for being with us. The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the Internet. So the Internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for ePart trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is, when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. 
So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.